Do you want to live a beautiful life that reflects the truth of who you are? Be bold and courageous as you step into your heartfelt desires. How does trusting yourself fully and connecting with your soul's purpose sound? The Unplanned Mom Podcast is a potent mix of real life stories, practical spiritual teachings, and a community to help guide you for eternity. This is the place for inspiration, with down-to-earth tools to help you pivot and continue to live your best life beyond your wildest dreams. Here we honor your deepest authentic truth, embrace motherhood, talk all things money, mindset, and most importantly, miracles. So are you ready to say yes to all of this? If so, then let's dive in. I'm your host, Ashley Simmons, financial coach, mentor, and unplanned mom to three amazing girls. I have been praying for you and I can't wait to dive in. So let's go. Hey friends, welcome back to the Unplanned Mom School podcast. I am Ashley Simmons. I'm the founder of the Unplanned Mom School, and I am just so excited to introduce you introduce to you one of my near and dear friends, Dr. Susan Harmio. Um, I want to just share just this amazing welcome that she has on her page, on her website, and we're going to dive into all of this, but just here's really just a snapshot of this woman and what all that she has done and accomplished. So back in 2007, after 35 years of wandering in pain, hardship, and trauma, the results of trying to satisfy self-driven needs, wants, and desires, she was transformed instantly through an encounter with God. With his amazing gifts of unconditional love, grace, and healing, which he offers freely to each and every one of us, God rewrote her heart from the inside out. The very sins that she committed against him, he washed away, releasing her from the guilt, shame, bitterness, and resentment in which she was trapped. And he invited her to wholesome wholeness in him, restoring the innocence that she had lost at a young age. Through God's grace, she is now able to share with others the experience she once kept hidden, using these events to minister to their hearts and inviting them to experience deliverance and freedom they may not think is possible. And so Susan, um, she's an ordained, she's an ordained minister under the assemblies of God. Uh, welcome Susan. It's so good to see you. <laughs> it's so good to see you, Ashley. I just love you so much. And thank you so much for having me on with you today. Yeah, no, it's totally my pleasure. And I, you know, for a quick story, I mean, we do know each other, you and I have a long history together. And so I just think that it's so cool how God has brought us back together because we crossed paths. I'm trying to think about this before we hopped on. It was what, back in maybe 2008? Nine? Yeah, nine. Yeah, yeah somewhere eight, right nine. in there. Yeah, yeah, I just moved back to Missouri from Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. So we came across each other and God just kind of kept us together. Yeah, well, I had tried, tried, started my blog and was really interested in, in just life-affirming work. And I was working at a bank at that time, and I was in the marketing department. I always had to cut out clippings of newspapers, like where we were running ads. And I saw your story in the paper about your post-abortive care. Yes. And so you have just a heart and a story and are just doing so many incredible things. And I can't wait to share with our audience just what exactly you are doing. Yes, God is good. So I'm so thankful. And um, I remember you reaching out to me. And ever since then, we've just stayed in touch. And I'm just so super proud of you. And um, again, it's an honor to be here with you. And I'm just 
truly grateful for your friendship over the years. Yeah. Well, likewise, back at yeah. you. I mean, you've helped me through good times, bad times, and everything in between, and still continue to. So I'm very, very thankful. And you as well. <laughs> I'm sure I shed many a tears to you. Uh, same here. I know. We could probably write a book just between our friendship and things that we know and have experienced, but Right. At the end of the day, I mean, we both have just, we see, I mean, just God's goodness through all of these unplanned moments. I didn't plan yeah. on saying that, but. Yes. Yeah. So I know I'm going to kind of go a little different route. So I, you know, my, ba- I, my background's marketing, advertising for anybody that really doesn't know too much about me. So this chat GPT. So I mentioned this to Susan. We did have a little dialogue right before we hopped on. She hadn't heard of this. So I want to quiz her. So if everybody that's hearing artificial intelligence, all these things that are going on in the world, you can, you can ask basically this bot, you can ask the bot questions. And so I asked the bot a question. And so I want to run through the answers with you and see what you think, if this is true or not. So I asked the bot, what do post-abortive women need to hear? And so chat GPT told me as an AI language model, I do not have personal beliefs or opinions, but I can provide some general information that might be helpful. These are short. So here's what it says. Post-abortive women may need to hear is one that they are not alone that many women have had abortions Two, that they, that it is okay to feel a range of emotions after an abortion, such as sadness, guilt, or relief. Three, that healing is possible and there are resources available to help them process their emotions Four, that they are still valuable and loved go bot. Uh, regardless, it says regardless of their decision to have an abortion five, that there is no right or wrong way to feel after an abortion, that each woman's experience is unique. Six, that they have the power to take control of their future and make positive choices for themselves. Seven, that they should not feel ashamed or judged for their decision and that everyone deserves compassion and understanding. And eight, that seeking support from trusted friends, family, or professional can be beneficial. So Susan, would you agree with the bot? with these eight things that women need to hear after they've had an abortion? You know, I don't necessarily agree with all of them, Um, you know, but for those of you that don't know, um, I am post-abortive. I had some situations, of course, I found myself pregnant when I was in college and um, had my first abortion and ended up having two more as a total of three um, total So, you know, when you encounter the situation of finding out that you're pregnant, of course, you have decisions to make. Mm -hmm. And many of us come into that place where we're just scared. We don't know what to do. Of course, me different than you, Ashley, you know, I chose differently than you. Um, I had had um, a few other friends that had abortions and I had reached out to them for some advice. And so that's kind of where I was geared. Um, I also grew up, um, you know, in the church. And so, you know, I was taught that, you know, abortion was wrong and you, you know, you don't do those things. So I think when I encountered that situation that I was in originally, um, I didn't know what to do and I didn't know who to turn to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I 
what I thought I was making the best decision that I could make at the time. But immediately, you know, even before you have an abortion, the shame and the guilt are just right there. You know, the judgment, what are people going to think of me? What is that decision? You know, how am I going to do this? And how am I going to stay in school and have a child? You know, now you obviously are a great example that you can do both. I think that at the time, you know, I was in a sorority. I, you know, had this social life. I had this. Um, persona of who I wanted to portray that I was versus the actions that I was really having. Um, You know, very few people knew really what I was doing um, because I call it, you know, living one foot in, one foot out. I portrayed that I was one person, but I was really living this double life, Um, you know, and had found myself in a, you know, promiscuous place, you know, growing up, just looking for love, wanting someone to love me. Of course, that relationship that I was in, you know, made the decision, you know, we made the decision that I would have an abortion. So of course I went out of state to do that because I thought no one would ever find out if I just drove, you know, far enough away, you know, it would just go away and be gone. And unfortunately that's not how it works. Yeah. So did the guy, you did tell the guy. I did tell him, um, you know, I wanted his opinion, but I had already made up my mind because I was just thinking long-term, you know, how could I get through college? I would have to quit. And, you know, the relationship that I was in, he was in another state. And so, you know, it's not like we were together every day, Um, you know, so I I didn't know what else to do. And- That's what I thought was the thing to do. And also, you know, I wanted my career. I had set out that, you know, I had grown up, unfortunately, you know, in some poverty situations. And I just wanted to be successful. And to me, success was money, you know, the house, the cars, the whatever, you know, the marriage. And that was success to me. Yeah. So I was, you know, fighting to get that. And I just, at the time, you know, I didn't want anything in my way. And I thought this child would get in the way of my success. And, um, you know, who else was going to make it happen but me if I didn't make it happen, right? Right, yeah. So, yeah, and I, you know, in my situation, I grew up without a father. You know, we can talk more about that here along the way, but you know, I didn't have someone that I could lean back on. I didn't come from a a place of wealth or that I could reach out to someone like I needed help or mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like I had that. And I certainly did not want to bring shame to my family that here I was this unwed pregnant girl, mm-hmm. you know, I had put a persona on myself and um, just a place of judgment that that was my going to be my way out. Mm-hmm. I think when women are listening to this, so many of them are going to relate to that because we all, you know, we all want to better ourselves. I mean, I think most women do. And that's probably, you know, I don't, you are the expert in this. So I know you do a lot of post-abortive care. I mean, there's so many things I want to ask about, but, um, you know, just going back to that. So it was a decision that you made, you told the dad, um, do you want to go into the other abortions or should we? Yeah. So, well, you know, um, 
I, I will just say this. I just do want to share this. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember feeling like something was weird and strange. And I actually had one of my girlfriends um, not at school. She was in my hometown about 30 minutes away. She brought me a pregnancy test and I took it and it was positive. And I remember calling her going like, what am I going to do? So, you know, I was conversing more with my girlfriend than him because I, you know, I felt like I needed to make a decision before then. And there's some guys out there that never have a say, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, or they never know because the person, you know, that young lady or that woman makes that decision without conversing with them. So by the time I had that conversation with him, I kind of knew what I was going to do. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that was the decision and that, you know, um, yeah. so I found that abortion clinic actually in that particular state where he was and it was within a couple hours of where he lived and um you know drove over the weekend and did it over the weekend while i was in college not telling anyone of course other than my girlfriend and he knew what was going on um the second abortion was with the same guy i ended up graduating from college i moved to where he was got a job and found myself within a year pregnant again. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we weren't in any place to get married or, you know, we had, I guess, trouble in our relationship. You know, we weren't headed towards marriage. And that wasn't something that we even talked about. Like, yeah. looking back now, I'm thinking, my gosh, we didn't even talk about, like, let's just get married. Yeah. Um, we didn't do that. It was, okay you know, you know what to do. Um, he traveled for his work. So I found myself in an abortion clinic. Um, you didn't even know it was an abortion clinic. It looked like an office building and it had tinted windows and I went by myself and, um, completely different situation than the first time. Cause he went with me this time. I was like, I'm fine. You know, I'm tough. I'll go by myself. And I checked in and um, they put me in the waiting room and they're like, do you have someone with you? And I said, I don't. I was like, "Um, you know, can't I just stay here by myself? Can't I just sleep off Mm -hmm. um, the drugs? Will you just allow me to stay here and I'll just drive myself home? Yeah. Did they let you? They did. They did. And honestly, it was horrific. Uh, just the whole experience was a totally different situation. You know, I was on a metal table Think Just, mm-hmm. it was just a dark, you know, those back alley type places. It was something more like that. And, um, you know, just a horrific experience. Yeah. And I, you know, laid on that table, they let me there for a few hours. And, um, once I was coherent enough to get up and kind of get something in, you know, in my body. Mm-hmm. I just acted like I had it together. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm out of here. And they let me go. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, looking back, it was just it's horrible, horrible. Who allows someone to, you know, it's a surgical abortion. So it's not like. Now we're both of these in um, your first trimester. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you remember, I mean, so you're talking about the second experience laying on the metal table, which sounds just horrific in and of itself. And then, yeah, not, you know, 
them not truly caring, you know, letting you leave on your own. Do you remember the first one or do you think you're, you, you kind of blocked it out? Like you're just trying to, you know, not experience it again in your brain. Well, you know, I think at that time, I think I knew what to quote expect, yeah. but I have to tell you for me, each experience was different. I think my heart gotten harder every time. Um, I think I became more um, honestly just, um, you know, I was tough. I could handle it. And, you know, I've had one. What's another one? It's no big deal. Mm -hmm. And it was a big deal. And every time it just took me to a different place. Yeah. And realizing that not only my heart was being hardened, but my soul, my mind, my experiences. And, you know, any trauma that we experience, it's stored in our brain. Mm -hmm. So as much as you think you can't remember it or you're like pushing it aside or pushing mm -hmm. it somewhere, it's still in you. Yeah. And it yeah. affects you in ways that you may not even realize, even through sounds or um, triggers. Yeah. You can have triggers. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, but again, you know, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good to go. Had my cookie, had my juice, you know, whatever that was that they gave me. And I just shook it off and acted like it was no big deal. Um, so at this point, God, I mean, God hadn't really entered your life yet. You knew about God, you grew up in the church, but you still wanted to be the career woman, have the money, have the things, you know, have the life that you didn't have growing up. That that's where I mean that's where your priority was. And so yeah, that's yeah. definitely my priority. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I grew up in the church, and I, you know, I, I sang all the songs. I was in choir. I mean, you know, I have a wonderful family. Mm -hmm. um, but I was just in a place. I think you know, growing up without a father, never really knowing my identity, mm -hmm. and I didn't really know my identity through the Lord, through Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I knew all that. I learned Bible verses. I went to church camp. I was in church, you know, Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday, you know, um, no, I didn't know that extent that, that, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, okay. I mean, I, that's how I don't know any different, but as I started growing up, going into middle school, high school, you know, things started to change. And I, you know, I, I was always angry. Well, now that I started having these abortions, I mean, I was really angry mm -hmm. and I couldn't figure out, was I angry because I didn't know my father? Was I angry because I didn't feel loved by a man? Mm -hmm. You know, here I am in these situations. Why don't, you know, this is the same yeah. guy. Like, why doesn't he want to be with me? Yeah. Like what's wrong with me? And so, you know, how did, how did that anger come out? Like, what were you doing, you know, well, anger? Well, you know, my freshman year in high school, actually, um, you know, I was in cross country and track and, um, I just had some really good friends, but trying to fit in and trying to find my place, I started drinking and, mm -hmm. um, you know, I found myself in a relationship and I was taught never to give myself um, physically to someone till I got married mm -hmm. and I gave myself to him and immediately just felt that guilt and shame. 
So what that caused was more relationships and through that promiscuity, you know, um, drugs, alcohol. Uh, so, you know, I struggled with that. Some people didn't necessarily know that because I was still running and drinking and smoking pot and popping pills and doing all kinds of crazy things. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that double, um, you know, persona of this is who I am. And, and those, some of those closest to me didn't even know I was doing these things. Like they had no idea. Yeah. And some of them didn't even know I was doing all these things till I published this book. <laughs> they were like, they had, like those, I mean, I would consider like my close, dear, sweet girlfriends. They had no idea because I didn't tell them. Like mm-hmm. if I told them, then that changed who I was, right? Yeah. And I was also brought up, I just want to say this, what you don't talk about doesn't exist. So if you don't talk about it and you hide it and you just ignore it, nobody knows. A lot of people live like that. Yeah. 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 And same with the church. Like we kind of, you know, once we stepped out of our door, this was who we were. And you don't talk about the things that go on at home. You know, no electricity, no water, Mm -hmm. things like that. Like seriously, you know, no phone whatever it may be, those things may seem minute to some people, but when you're growing up, it's a big deal. And you can't, you know, I just never told my friends, um, you know, I remember I went on a date one time and he brought me home and he's like, gosh, your mom must have gone to bed awful early and we didn't have electricity. So, you know, I wasn't about ready to tell my story because that might change his thoughts about me. So, I mean, it's just all these things compiled and they just continue to build up and, um, you know, choosing to have an abortion, of course, you know, I would never wish that on anyone, but I just didn't think I had another choice. And so by the time I got through the second one, I, I just was in a place of hiding and the shame and the guilt were so strong. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I, was I not good enough? Um, and, did somebody not love me? And, you know, realizing I, I obviously, I don't think I loved myself. Mm. Oh yeah. I didn't love myself and I, I couldn't receive love and I really couldn't give love. Mm -hmm. I thought I could, but yeah, I didn't even really know what love was. And for me, sexual relationship I thought that's what love was. Like if you just give yourself or you're with someone physically. Yeah. I've done the same. Yes. That's what love is. And so, um, yeah, that's not, yeah. We feel empty. We feel, we, we feel empty and incomplete after, you know, when we participate in those activities and, why, you know? Yeah. Well, just again, I just think the enemy, which is Satan, is out to lie, kill, steal, and destroy. That's what the word says. And, um, you know, not knowing our identity in Christ and the word blood-bought daughters from the Most High God, and He loves us. You know, the word talks about who we are, but I don't think that I knew to stand against that. And again, yeah. I think th- that there was just so much shame and guilt through my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, that I just didn't feel worthy. Yeah. So, so I know I know you feel worthy now. Yes. I want you, I mean, 
when did that shift take place? Like, when did you have enough and, and realize that you had to turn everything over and reconnect with God? What, what was that moment like in your life? Well, you know, just real quick, I ended up having a third abortion and within a couple years, I found myself pregnant for the fourth time. And that uh, gentleman that I had been seeing, he, he said, hey, let's get married. So we ended up having my son, um, Tyler, and, um, you know, it was a change in experience because I had never had a baby before. And so, um, but I entered into that pregnancy hiding once again. So, um, but the bottom line is, unfortunately, that marriage did not last. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended up having a second child, a little girl. Um, Cameron. And um, within a few years, I found myself, you know, we were getting divorced. It's just a lot of anger, bitterness. You know, you take two broken people and you try to put them together. (sighs) And um, it just, you know, we just never figure it out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, with our own issues going on. So um, it was actually several years after that, I was in church this whole entire time. Wow. You know, okay. Okay. Yes. I would go to church on Sundays hungover is unbelievable. Um, unless, you know, of course, during that time, if I had the kids, you know, there were certain things that I did. But the bottom line is um, I just really was in a place of hurting. And so um, these women came to our church to do this mentoring conference. And, um, it was like a four session, you know, they would come for a couple hours on a Wednesday evening, I believe. I can't remember exactly, but, um, and there would be different speakers, but there of course was one main leader. And this first night I came in and I just started hearing about this God that they were referring to. And I'm like, who is that? I don't, I don't know who that God is. The God I know is judgmental Um, there's rules and I've broken all the rules and I'm obviously probably doomed, um, for the rest of my life. And, um, you know, I, this love that they talked about that was so unconditional. I'm like, who is this God? I don't know who that is. Mm -hmm. And so it, you know, that night, the first night that I went, it was on a Thursday night. Now I remember, um, I got out of there. I was used to watching a TV show like religiously every Thursday night. And that night, this is going to sound so silly, but you know, I was like, come on, hurry it up. You know, we're late. I got to watch my show. Um, But at the very end, they prayed this prayer and um, this woman laid her hand on my back and I just felt like this energy like this electricity, I guess, that I'd never felt before. And at the end of the prayer, I looked at my friend and I was like, did you feel that? And she looked at me and was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I looked at this woman and I was like, did you feel that? And she just smiled. Well, I ended up going home and tried to pop open a beer and drink a beer and smoke a cigarette because that's just where I was in life. Mm -hmm. And the beer didn't taste right. And I just thought I you know, I just put the cigarette out. Now, mind you, I had been smoking and drinking, you know, for years, not necessarily all in public either, because God forbid somebody judge me because I have a cigarette (laughs) in my hand, because that's just where I was. So I just didn't do some of those things in public. 
Um, but however, um, I just felt the stirring in my heart. And over the next few days, I reached out to that main speaker and I just sent her an email telling her that some of my struggles and some of the struggles were my mouth, my anger, my bitterness. Um, you know, I had been through this divorce and, you know, grew up without a father. You know, I just hit these high points because I didn't want to say too much because if I said too much, she might know my secrets. Yeah. So, um, you know, and so I didn't say a lot, but I said enough. Yeah. And she ended up getting me connected actually with the woman that laid her hand on my back oh, through that wow. prayer. And I just, her name is Amy. And um, she said, you know, let me connect you with her. And she connected me with Amy and Amy invited me to lunch that following week. And so um, ended up meeting her for lunch uh, you know, just sharing, uh, you know, some deep and personal things, but of course not sharing a lot, but just, you know, I shed some tears because I was opening obviously up to, uh, you know, some vulnerability, but mm -hmm. I definitely wasn't sharing uh, things that were um, all truth, you know, mind you, because if you share the truth, somebody might know the truth, right? Yeah. So I didn't share truth, um, but she just said to me, you know what? Um, can I pray with you mm. at the end of lunch? And I said, sure. And so we got in my car out in the front of the restaurant and she started praying with me. Oh, I love that. And as she started praying with me, we just got in this place. I just remember, you know, having my head down and just trusting God. Like, I don't know who you are, but mm -hmm. I'm doing this with her. And, um, one by one, she started calling. I'm going to cry. Aww. She started calling out these spiritual holds on my life. Mm. And it was at that point that I knew I could feel them scurrying around in me almost like a mouse. I know this sounds kind of crazy for some people to hear this, but I could feel them moving in my body. Mm. And I would take her hand and I would put it on my arm or wherever I was feeling it. Or I would express to her, you know, and she would call out whatever it was. And so during this prayer, I was truly delivered of alcohol and drugs, uh, relationships, um, soul ties, um, just this bondage, um, witchcraft, which some people may think that's kind of crazy, but I had dabbled in um, tarot cards, you know, tarot card readers. I had done all kinds of stuff regarding witchcraft and not realizing how, how it had had effect on my life and just these different things. And, um, so for about an hour and 15 minutes, she prayed with me in my car and I was just all snotty nosed and uh -huh. cried, you know, and just in this, I was just in a different place after that prayer, a place of such freedom that I had never encountered before. Mm -hmm. And so she just recommended, you know what, why don't you go home and take a nap? Um, cause I was just mentally, emotionally exhausted mm -hmm. from this experience. And, um, it was at that moment that, um, I've never drank again. I've never smoked. Um, you know, I don't dabble in, um, 
tarot cards or witchcraft or any of those things again. Mm -hmm. um, I've had to learn boundaries. I had no boundaries, especially when it comes to men and relationships. Um, so that has been a place of complete restoration in my life and learning red flags and, um, you know, a complete, just different walk yeah. that I had ever been on. Um, and just really a different place, <laughs> a different place. I felt different, yeah. but I looked the same, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, it was, you know, just a slow process in terms of the guy that I was seeing at the time, you know, I ended up calling him and basically telling him, Hey, listen, I've had this encounter with the Lord. I'm not the same person anymore. And I can't be with you the way that I've been with you. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was and, probably like, what? what? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And then what was really cool is the next week, this Bible study was starting at the church that her and some of these women went to, which I immediately started going to that church. And, um, so Priscilla Shire, discerning oh, the voice of God, Bible study, I started the following week. Oh, and it was powerful because I realized there's, a, of course, a verse in the Bible that says, my sheep hear my voice, no other will they follow. Mm -hmm. And from that amazing prayer experience in my car, I realized, oh my gosh, I have eyes to see. I have ears to hear. Yeah. Like I can see and hear. And um, I was just in a completely different place. Yeah. And so I was set out to seek the Lord. I wanted all that he had for me. I, you know, I just wanted to rid myself of the craziness that I had been living in and not really realizing the craziness I had been living in that I had invited. Oh, and yeah, I had invited all those things. No one made me do anything. I had done them all myself. I don't blame anyone for them. We all have free will. And it was my choice to, to make those choices, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I realized God had a new life and God had a new place and he wanted to do something different within me and that I had a calling on my life and that there was a plan and there a purpose. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 talks about there is a plan and purpose for each of us and we're all created differently, but we are created in the image of God. And so um, through the power of prayer and worship, I, I just learned to get in a place of worship and praise and just thanking the Lord. You know, those actions changed. The things that I was listening to, I realized um, they weren't good. Like if you really start listening to the words of the music you are listening yeah. to, and some of it you can't understand right. that you're regurgitating out of your mouth and you're speaking that over yourself. Yes. The things that you are reading, the movies that you are seeing, the shows that you are watching. I never watched that TV show again. Mm. I never put another beer or anything up to my mouth mm -hmm. um, because something that I realized was what my eyes see and my ears hear penetrate my heart. Mm. And so I wanted all that he had. So I ended up buying this little, I just, I brought it, this little, I call it a preacher's Bible, but, um, and I had no idea where God was taking me, but I bought this little Bible and, um, 
I had heard about these people like being able to regurgitate the word. Now, even though I grew up in church, I didn't, I didn't know all, I knew the main Bible stories, right? Cause we're taught those, but I'd never read the Bible. I mean, that was like two, that's huge. Yeah. So I would literally sleep with it, holding it like this on my chest at night, hoping that the Lord would download it to me and that I would just be able to speak it. Yeah. Well, you can speak it now. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, for those of us that are listening or, I mean, my, my story, I didn't grow up in a church. Like, I mean, I was raised Catholic, but you know, so for anybody that's kind of like even new or doesn't even know where to start, I mean, I found a church. I mean, it was through my counselor and long story, but I mean, I feel like, I mean, I've just am really saved just in the last year and a half, two years, really where I've, I feel like, I mean, I have a clean heart, yeah. And working through all of that. But, you know, all these years through our friendship, I mean, you've always, I've just, I've always been amazed by you. Like, cause you know, the stories, I am still learning the stories. I don't know all of the stories and I, well, I'm, I'm getting there. So I want anybody that's listening though, to like, don't be discouraged. <laughs> like, yeah. Go, you, you can find a place and fellowship with other women and the church isn't full of perfect people. I think that's the biggest misconception is we're like our church. I mean, we're, we call it a hospital. Like we're for the yeah. hurting people. We want to bring in the hurting people and the women that prayed with you and had the Bible yeah. study group with you. I mean, I just had Holy spirit goosebumps the entire time you were talking mm. and so just looking at you and hearing your story and your testimony and just how the darkness that you went through and experienced to bring you to where you are today. And you are helping women all yeah. over the world that are on this same trajectory and feeling lost and essentially walking in the dark, you're helping them. And it's just so cool to see how God is using you and working through you. And well, I have to say, Ashley, that, you know, for me, he taught me one verse at a time and Amy had bought this um, devotion and I um, read it religiously for a year because it was a year devotion. And even because I traveled for work at the time, okay. I took this little Bible, I took that devotion with me and it went every day. I read that thing okay. and, um, and I learned one verse at a time and you uh, memorize it. Would you work to memorize it or you, just, uh, you know, the more, some, yeah, some, the more you read, the more, you know, and then it just penetrates your heart. The word says that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. But the bottom line is the word is so powerful and it is so alive and living that it penetrates our heart when spoken out. So even one thing, you know, there's so many, I say tactics that I've learned over the years, but I didn't have this big knowledge. You know, I, I learned one verse at a time. And I just trusted God with that one verse and it would just speak so ever to what I needed to hear that day Mm -hmm. and the things that I was encountering. Because just because I decided to walk this new life and he had brought me into this new place did not mean that my life was perfect Mm -hmm. and that I did not encounter, I would say, attacks or um situations that I had to learn to maneuver through. Mm -hmm. And that maneuvering though, first came, you know, to God through prayer, through going to his word, one verse at a time. I didn't know, you know, where to start. (laughs) Um, Sometimes this is going to sound crazy, but I would just lay my Bible out this Bible and there's 
it's so fun to see dates and things, but mm-hmm. I just lay it on my bed and I would just lay my hand on it. And I would just say, speak to me, speak to my heart, show me the things that I do not know. Jeremiah 33, three says, call unto me and I will show you what you do not know. And so I just want to encourage anyone one verse at a time. If you only know one verse, great. You know, John 3.16 or whatever that verse is. The very first verse that the Lord spoke to me was Psalms 46.10. And it's be still and know I'm God. I got goosebumps. That's mine too. I was just going to say that. I mean, I really made myself pray and meditate one time. And that's, that is what he spoke. Like that is like, that is what I heard. And then. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a wooden sign over one of my doors. I, I found this early on in this new walk and it stays there and it's my coming and going. And, but I had no idea even looking back now that, um, Susan, be still because I'm a doer. I like a good to-do list. Mm-hmm. I like to check it off if I'm even in the grocery store and I didn't put the carrots on the list. I write the carrots on the list and I check it off. I do the same. <laughs> like, like I've accomplished something. Feels but, good to mark, your, mark it off. Yeah. So I know there's some people that make fun of me for my list, but I just, I think more clearly, I, you know, Sometimes I forget the list, but the bottom line is, is that I had no idea that he was really trying to teach me to be still and that he had it all under control. Not that we don't have a a point where we're to step up and take that step of faith and walk and do the things that we're called to do, but that he really had me, you know, and even just as of recent, he started showing me again, like, I've got you, girl. Like, I've got even like starting to do this podcast with you. You know, it's always been on my heart. You know, I've just always dreamed, but, you know, just hearing now is the time and be still. I've got this. You know, Holy Spirit is going to be with you during this time. And so, um, but yeah, however, one verse at a time, there is no rush. There's no destination. I just want to encourage people that this walk is a journey. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not this perfect place you're going to reach. You'll never be a perfect person. So get that out of your mind. Get that off the list. Satan is a liar. You know, God loves you. Um, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, for our choices. Now, of course, we learn right from wrong. We do have choices, Mm -hmm. but that's why Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins daily. We will never be perfect till he comes to take us home. You know, our days are numbered and he knows exactly our last day here on earth, but then that we will go be with him. And so, uh, you know, I just ever since that moment in time, I just the freedom that I feel my heart's desire is that just, this is not about me. And I know that for you, this is not about you. This is really about God reaching the people who are hurting, lost and broken, who need healing, who need his love, who need his grace, who need to get out of the place of such condemnation because Satan is such a liar. Mm -hmm. And it's all a lie from the pit of hell, because if he can keep you into what you're not, and the lies and the manipulation and the control, then he can keep you, Satan that is, can keep you from what God has. So sometimes, you know, and we'll have to do this moving forward, but 
you know, I have a list of scriptures, actually a dear ministry friend of mine gave me um, to speak out. And I use that with the post, you know, those that are post-abortive who are going through after abortion care Mm -hmm. for them to speak these things out and um, just the power that the word has um, to bring us into a a different place and, uh, you know, also worship and getting in a place with, you know, that Christian music, depending on, of course, who that is. But the bottom line is just praising your way through mm-hmm. um, all of it, the joyous times along with the hard times yeah. or the times, you know, in the evenings, it seems like sometimes that's the hardest where Satan is trying to control and manipulate us to think that we're we're not good enough. But right. Yeah, that's not it. That's not it. God has a plan. He does. Yeah. Worship music has like transformed my whole life. I mean, I kind of just started listening to a little bit and now I'm like, that's the only stuff I can listen to anymore. (laughs) I mean, and there's some like really good upbeat, you know, songs. Like it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I want to to just share before we like wrap up today, because you're going to come back, we're going to dive deeper into all of this stuff. Um, I want to just share with people, I know you kind of gave a little sneak preview, but you know, Susan, and I, Dr. Susan and I are going to be working together. She and I are, you know, we're going to be having some videos. We're going to have more podcast episodes, shorter episodes, just to really touch on post-abortive care, getting to know the Lord, all of these different topics that people are interested in. So follow along on TikTok if you haven't yet at the Unplanned Mom School. Uh, but so Dr. Susan's going to be on there. I'm so excited. This is just like the first of many. And so we have so many other topics to go into. Your story is just incredible. Before I we wrap up today's episode, though, I want to go back to you when you felt unworthy and you talked about not knowing your father, because I think a lot of times, you know, I'll just speak from my own experience and being in unhealthy relationships that stem from, you know, a learning and an upbringing of, you know, my father and my, you know, my own stuff and trying to find validation from other guys. And so I think there's a lot of us women that feel just like you do and did. And not knowing your dad had to be extremely painful. Um, and I want to just, you want to just tell, I mean, your consistent yeah. story. I mean, just kind of the, go back yeah. to the very beginning. I mean, because so, it's not a secret. Yeah. Yeah. So it's no secret. Well, so I grew up, of course, never knowing my father. And uh, I believe I was probably about four years old. And I remember my sister telling me that I was adopted. And I ran to my mother just in tears, like, telling on my sister, like, this is what she's saying to me. But I, I remember she never got in trouble and I never understood that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had a boyfriend, I think as young as third grade, maybe Okay, at at church. And um, if any of those guys are listening from church, you guys are good guys. You know, I should have stuck with you and I didn't. Isn't that true? I had church after me and I was not interested at all. Yeah, all those guys, they were so, they're just good guys. And they've all really grown up. Some of them are in ministry now. And um, forgive me for not choosing you. (laughs) So, um, but I do want to say, you know, as I got into middle school, you know, relationships and um, as, as I mentioned, high school and just getting in this promiscuous place and the drinking and the drugs, which always led to sexual relationships. And, 
you know, even though I may be dating someone, I mean, you, you know, it just wasn't a proper place to be at the age or just in the situation. None of it was. Mm-hmm. And, um, or even in college and afterwards, even after my divorce, I have to say, but however, I never knew my father and it just really weighed on me. So that just, you know, took me into that place of promiscuity because I just wanted to be loved. I just wanted someone to tell me how precious I was. I wanted someone to have my back. I was brought up. I better take care of myself. No one else else was going to do it for me. And I learned that really quick. Um, You know, not to someone's default. It was just where I was and how I was raised. Mm -hmm. So, you know, who was going to take care of me? No one. I had to take care of myself. So, you know, that's where that led. Um, it wasn't until after the Lord got a hold of me, he actually led me back to my hometown in Jefferson City, the last place that I ever thought that I would ever want to be. <laughs> and it's not, I, I love my hometown, but I mean, that was my past. Mm-hmm. So why would I have to go back to my past? Because I didn't want to be that person. But the Lord led me to go back to my hometown. And within about five months, um, I heard him. I was actually needing to get social security cards for my children because I thought I had lost them. I don't lose things. I'm so organized. They were just in the side of this cabinet. But what that did is I just felt like the Lord say, when I was headed to the social security office, go back inside and fill out a form for yourself. And I thought to myself, what? Like, you know, right. I'll write already. Is, I mean, I said that out loud. Fine. I'll write already. And so I went back inside. I filled out this form. I went to the social security office and all of a sudden I gave them my form and they started reading off my father's information, which I never imagined I would ever have because I had gotten into a place with those three years with the Lord that if I never knew who my father was on earth, I knew that he was my heavenly father. I knew that he loved me. I learned that love within those couple years to the time I got to this place. And so it didn't really matter if I met him or not, but that's what the Lord had next for me. So I ended up getting his name. I sent this information to a friend of mine who did some intelligence work She found him. He ended up being in the next town. Within hours, I got his information and I just felt the Lord telling me to call him. So I reached out to, you know, one of my mentors, Amy. I reached out to my sister and I was like, listen, this is what's going on. Um, My sister brought some pictures to me of my mother at that time of her life. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going to see him within 48 hours. He was only 30, 40 minutes from me. Um, He was older and in a retirement community. And so I, you know, what do you do when you're getting ready to meet your father for the first time or who, you know, who is saying your father is? So of course I just put some cookies together on a plate and wrapped it with saran wrap because I'm like, I guess this is how I'm going to meet him. So I, you know, went down the highway and um, not saying anything to my mother. And they, I told them I was there to see this particular person and he came out 
and I introduced myself and I said, do you know my mother? And that's really what started the conversation on the phone. I didn't tell him who I was. I just said, do you know my mother? And he said, I do. He said, come see me. So I went to see him. And so I laid out these pictures on the table. And as I laid them out, all of a sudden, the Lord showed me there was something else there. And he just started staring at these pictures on the table. And he was like, she's so beautiful. She's so beautiful. And I just was like, I didn't know what to think of that. And then all of a sudden, he kind of snapped out of it. And he said, young lady, why are you here? And I said, well, I told him the story of getting the social security card and that his name was on my social security card as my father. And could he explain that to me? And he said, young lady, have you spoken to your mother about this? Now, mind you, no one's ever talked to me like that. You know, and I just looked at him and I said, yes, sir. Every time I go to her and ask her who my father is, she says it's none of my business. Time felt like it stood still. And all of a sudden, he just looked at me and he said, I'm so sorry. I can't help you. Mm. And so it was just at that moment that I knew the Lord had taken me to my truth. And I had been set free of that truth. So I just ever so graciously said, it was a pleasure to meet you. Here's my information. If you remember anything, please let me know. Mm -hmm. I gathered the pictures. I went outside, got to my car and just bawled my eyes out thinking, I cannot believe that you brought me like he brought me to that truth. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was only five months after moving to Missouri and he's 40 minutes away. Now I had been gone for how many years? My whole career. So it ended up, you know, I called my mentors, told them what had happened and, um, I felt led, you know, within a few hours to call my mom. I left her a message just saying, hey, mom, you know, give me a call. There's something I want to share with you. Mm -hmm. And she ended up calling me back. And I said, listen, there's something I need to share with you. And I proceeded to tell her what had happened with the social security card and going to meet him. And, you know, I just said to her, and I, I would never talk to my mom like this, but I was just like, Mom, if you slept with him, you know, I get it. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, she doesn't know that I have slept with so many people in my life. I mean, she had no idea because I didn't share that with her. She did not know I was living this devil lie. And so she just started to cry and and a cry that I'd never heard before. And she was just like, I did not sleep with that man. She said, that man raped me. That man raped me. And I'm here to tell you, Ashley, at that moment, I knew what a love of a mother was. I knew she'd saved my life. Mm -hmm. But here I was on the other end, her not knowing that I had had three abortions. Mm -hmm. That I had chose myself over my own children. And here she was 
She had been raped and she chose life for me. So she proceeded to tell me the story of what happened and um, basically that she hid her pregnancy and she didn't tell anyone ever, you know, and by the time she went to give birth to me at the hospital, that was the story to my sister was she had adopted me. And so that's, you know, my sister was five years old. My sister's five years older than me. Um, My mom had, of course, married her father, gotten married and had her. And sadly, that was an abusive relationship. And so, you know, left with her. But here I was in this truth of myself and realizing how much my mom loved me, you know, and, um, completely different perspective after that. And just this road that the Lord was going to lead me on for freedom for myself. So even though he had delivered me of, um, you know, all these different actions and things like that, I still didn't know that there was more healing that he had for me. And so through those steps of faith and walking through this with my mother, you know, he started introducing me to these different, I'm going to call quote, pro-life people and things and post, you know, what was post-abortive care? What was after abortion? What did that mean? And he just started connecting me to these different people. Um, you know, I, Students for Life, um, you know, these different organizations that, um, 40 Days for Life. That was one of the very first um, introductions that I made. And I ended up meeting this woman, Kathy Fork. She was in charge of the, um, I'm going to call the sidewalk in front of Planned Parenthood in Columbia, Missouri. And I was going to go visit her, not really realizing, you know, what that was going to open and that I'm going to learn how to pray in front of an abortion clinic and speak to these young women who were me, you know, yeah. who yeah. were me going in to make these decisions. But the bottom line is, you know, all these different things that this plan that God had for me that I would have never I had any idea of the healing and the grace and the love that he would have for me, even up to this day, mm-hmm. even up to this day, he's doing new things. And I know there's great things ahead. And I, you know, right when I think I've reached this, um, peak and doing certain things or that I'm on this high mountain experience or even in the low valley of going through, Mm -hmm. you know, just life, the ebb and flows of life. Um, he does more, you know, he does more and he has more and his love just, um, infiltrates every area of my life and my children's life and, you know, those around me. And so, Again, I would have never imagined finding out that truth. And um, so, you know, that just brings such a depth, even more so of, for me, of my mother's love and just honestly where I was in my own life through these situations. It's incredible. I mean, wow, 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 is what I, my mind is, it's just so much to comprehend. And I want to ask more about, your mom telling you that, I mean, how, I mean, gosh, I mean that, I mean, just the healing that you two experienced together probably was pretty huge. I would imagine. Right. Yes. And you know, that 
conversation was hard, but it was good Mm -hmm. because I'm assuming she was in the place like I was, but she wasn't, you know, she was taken advantage of. And, um, my mom wasn't at all like me. You know what I mean? She didn't, she, I don't come from a family who drinks. I don't come from a family who, um, indulges in different things like that. I just didn't come from that. Um, did you, did you ever, I don't mean, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. I would, did you ever confide in her how you were living and what you, it's interesting that you say that. So, um, within a few weeks, she ended up coming over and we had a conversation. Um, actually what had happened was, is some of these things just started happening that, um, that I was going to start sharing my story mm-hmm. and I had been invited to start speaking and doing some different mm-hmm. things. And what did that look like? And I was, you know, mentored and suggested, suggested that, um, you know, you better share with your family first, the truth of who you are, because once the truth's out, you can't take it back. Mm-hmm. And, um, who knows, you know, the attacks or anything like that, that could come along with being honest, especially when it comes to life issues. Yeah. Um, you know, so I did, I, I shared with her all the truth. I just told her the life that I had lived and that it wasn't her fault, even though she felt like, you know, what did I not do for you? And she, she had done the best that she could. She Mm -hmm. did with what she had and the resources that she had. She was always hardworking, such an example. And she still is such an example of such grace. Um, You know, but we found that place of, you know, healing for that moment. There has been further healing, of course, since then of just being able to receive from each other and really just the love that we do have for each other, the love and the respect. So um, it has been definitely a journey, but I'm just so thankful. So thankful. Yeah. You have been on a journey. So when kind of like, give me a timestamp, when did you go back to school? When were you going? So I ended up So in 2007, in January, January 30th, I'll never forget, um, the Lord got a hold of me in my car. And it was in spring of 2009, I lost my job. And the Lord led me to go back to Missouri that fall of 2009. And so I ended up starting my MBA, my Master's of Business Administration that fall. And it was actually that next spring, these missionaries came to church where I was going to church in Jefferson City. And they talked about, you know, the different missions and things like that, that they were doing across the globe. And my heart just started like something. So after, yeah, after the service, I beeline to them. And I was like, God delivered me. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in school. And as soon as I get out of school, you know, I'm going back into the corporate world and I'm going to make as much money as I can because I'm going to give it. And they're, and they're like, you know, sweetheart, you know, (laughs) I was, you know, I was like, I'm, you know, I'm praying for an evangelistic husband is what I told them. And they said, they started laughing and they said, sweetheart, you're the evangelist. 
And I was like, oh no, I'm a corporate business woman. And as soon as I, you know, get done with school, I'm going back into corporate America. And they just laughed. Well, it was within a few weeks that I just felt led to look into going to seminary. And so actually I reached out to four different people to pray for me. And one of them was my choir director from when I was a a little girl. And she and her husband ended up taking me to Central Baptist um, Theological Seminary in Shawnee, Kansas. And it was there that the president at the time gave us a tour, had a conversation with us and ended up offering me a full ride to go to seminary. That's so cool. Which was crazy. So I barely graduated from high school. And then here I was, I was going to do two masters at once. And so I had no money. I wasn't working. I had and tried. And you're a single mom. You've got kids. You have two kids mom, right now. Yeah. You have kids. Yeah. You know, I tried to get a job. It just hundreds and hundreds of jobs over the years I tried to get during the schooling and it never worked out. Mm -hmm. But the door that God did open was for me to start sharing my story, speaking for pregnancy centers uh, across the United States and ended up going, of course, to Uganda, which we'll share at some point. But, you know, and doing, um, you know, just speaking on behalf of life and um, religious liberty and things like that. But really just the story of God's love and how he rewrote my heart. Mm -hmm. It was just really my passion. And so that's that route. And I ended up graduating with my MBA in 2012. Mm -hmm. And I got out of seminary in 2014. Um, But at the same time, the Lord led us back to Atlanta in 2013, where I got another scholarship to start my doctorate in ministry at Regent University. Yeah, so cool. And so, you know, which then led to a doctoral dissertation in um, God's love, but after abortion, care and healing. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up doing the second study that's ever been done on women across the United States and Canada. Yeah. Um, God opened this door on um, just how he heals women. Mm-hmm. So it was just powerful, you know, and uh, just hearing the different stories. And of course, during that same time, um, starting a post-abortion after abortion care group and partnering with different organizations, uh, different church denominations, uh, to start really um, going after the one, you know, yeah. sometimes it was one woman, sometimes it was a, a larger group. It just depended. Sometimes, you know, women find me online and we do, you know, we do it online or just even over the phone. It just, mm-hmm. it's been different every time. Um, I just always just ask the Lord to bring forth those that he has that, you know, they're ready to receive healing. Cause you yeah. You have to be ready. But however, um, you know, he uses all things together for the good, for those who are called according to his purposes. Mm -hmm. And we're all called and he uses it all. So no matter what you've experienced, God can redeem you, restore you and use you Mm -hmm. in the very area where you think is your weakest. God uses as your strength. So I had gotten kicked out of school. He took, you know, in English class. And he took me back to school and I had to learn how to write. You know, I didn't know how to write. And I'm not, you know, I would say I'm not the best writer, but 
he's restored that, you know, he's teaching me, I continue to learn, you know, and so in all things, Mm -hmm. so all it is, is saying yes, yes to him. And then he does the rest. He opens the doors, you know? Yeah. So it's just a powerful place to be, but it's just truly a place. It's, it's awesome to meet women who, you know, different life experiences, but that God uses not only you think God is using you for their healing, but God uses them again back in your life. So anytime you serve, mm-hmm. you're really, we think it's really God using us. It's yeah. really God using them mm-hmm. to change our heart humble us again and bring us to a place with him just with his love yeah yeah it's so sweet it's so sweet it's incredible and so you kind of touched on this so anybody that's hurting right now that's you know they're at this place they're ready to acknowledge their past they want to work with somebody your message is resonating with them what do people need to do? They're going to reach out to you. I'm going to, again, I'll have all of these links in the website. They can email you and then just talk to them and you determine what kind of the best course of action is just to work with them on their healing journey. Is that kind of how, do I have that right? Right. So usually what happens is, um, someone of course gets my, receives my contact information and they send me an email through the website. It just, Mm -hmm. it's like a contact and um, maybe their situation or what they're looking for and they give me their contact information and then I just reach out to them, yeah. whether it's through a call or whether it's back through email and then we decide what's best for them. Yeah. So every woman is in a different situation. You know, can we do a group class or, you know, put them into a group class or is there a local pregnancy center who's offering mm-hmm. some type of mentoring or, um, post-abortion care that they need, um, you know, that they can do locally or, Mm -hmm. you know, again, or is there, are they in need of a counselor? Is there some type of counseling professional at a local church or is there someone within their community that we can help point them to, Mm -hmm. to help bring some of that healing as well? So again, every situation is different. Every woman is different. Um, but there is definitely resources out there and we can get you connected yeah, to yeah. that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I want to end by another question. So somebody that's listening right now, and this is something I'll, I'll try to ask all of my guests, you know, what advice would you give an unplanned mom? So really, what would you get? What advice would you give younger Dr. Susan? Young, yeah. Let's just, let's backtrack. Cause younger Susan, could you even imagine that you have your doctorate? Oh my gosh, no. No, like this, this is like my sister. My sister's like great A. I love her to death, but you know, I always thought she would do all this. Yeah. And um, which she has done quite a bit, but um, no, never, yeah. never in a million years. And never would I have imagined I would publish a book. I mean, yes, yes. Yeah. When you were talking, I meant, yes. yeah. Tell, tell me the name of your book again. It's called How God Rewrote My Heart. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just saying, like all of it. No, no, this is not even on my goal list. <laughs> Maybe running a marathon, you know, I ended up doing that, but, um, none of this, none of no. nothing. Mm-mm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But what would you tell somebody like they, they're on the fence, they think that their whole life is going to be uprooted. And if they move forward with the pregnancy, they're, you know, probably not on the same walk as you, they want to live a better life. They want to 
have the career, have the money, have the things, have the experiences before they step into motherhood or give the baby up for a doctor. You know, they don't want to go through the process of pregnancy. What would we tell that person right now? Well, you know, um, as the world knows, it's choice, right? Yes. But God gives us choices. He gives us choices. And of course, he created life. Mm-hmm. So the the two areas, of course, you know, keeping that child, do you keep the child or is there a family that would love to raise your child mm-hmm. and make that child their own? And so, you know, there are options. Yeah, there are options. And those are your choices, definitely. And they're great choices. So, you know, first of all, you know, is there someone, a family member, close friend, mentor, teacher, professor, mm-hmm. someone who is of the Lord, mm-hmm. who can give you sound advice, you know? Yeah. Also, is there a local pregnancy center? I would suggest immediately to go connect with that local pregnancy center. Let them know you're pregnant. Go ahead and get an ultrasound mm-hmm. so you can see your baby and see that heartbeat and just see how wonderful that experience is. Mm-hmm. And um, along with if, you know, you do go to that pregnancy center, they're going to provide um, opportunity for you to go through different classes, to purchase different things that you need through different classes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they have support. Um, some centers, of course, help some moms try to find a place to live. You know, is that something that's needed? Again, every girl's situation or woman's situation um, is different. You know, can you go to the local church and let them know someone in their leadership, you know, on that staff saying, hey, listen, I need some help. Right. And this is the help that I need. I've found myself in an unplanned pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I'd like to keep my baby. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. And um, there's so many people, there's so many resources out there that are there to help you. And, um, I believe anything is possible with the Lord. Yeah. And so, um, I, I honestly, you know, I regret the decisions I made and that regret never goes away. The Lord has changed me. He has redeemed me, but I am here to say, I will always regret those choices. And, um, you know, and just the disaster that it brought in every area of my life after that. They always say, oh, you know, when you go to an abortion clinic or Planned Parenthood or even an OBGYN, Mm -hmm. they may tell you, oh, this will bring relief. It'll make everything better. You know, you'll have nothing to worry about after this. Oh, it's no big deal. Millions of women have had an abortion over the years since, Mm -hmm. you know, the first time Roe v. Wade, when it was passed, you know, and even before then. Yeah. And that is a lie. And so my encouragement is do not buy into the lies that that is the easy road because it's not. Mm -hmm. It brings self-destruction. And the majority of women that have one abortion, uh, 60% will have two or more. I've worked with women that have had up to 16 um, you know, th- there are different situations again, but my hope is that they will reach for help. And, and if, you, if you're hearing this and you're pregnant, reach out to Ashley and I, yeah. 
-hmm. You know, we want to help you. We can help you. We can, we can get you those resources or we can get you with the right people locally in your area to help you. And so um, there's always hope. Yes. There's always help. Yes. And God is the provider. So when it looks impossible, he makes all things possible. That's what his word says. Mm -hmm. And that's what he does. Yeah. So yeah, and I know it affects, I mean, people that might feel comfortable walking into a pregnancy center that, you know, financially they, they need the support. There's some women that are pretty well into their career and, you know, it's really just kind of coming to terms with everything and kind of working on that mindset piece and figuring out a plan for you and making these adjustments. And, you know, I always kind of joke and different things, you know, you're missing out on the boozy brunches. You know, there's a lot of women that are working, they get to go, they want to enjoy their beverages. You know, you're giving up a lot when you do find out that you are pregnant. And I do think that there's a sense of mourning, especially if you're older, I will say if you're more established with your life, you know, it's a little, you know, there's, there's might be a little bit of a grieving process, but yeah, reach out to us. And I will say, you know, not all people, I think that work in these centers, I mean, they don't, I, I don't, I'm trying to figure out how to say this because I, Satan is so sneaky. Yeah. And Satan will attack and these people are, they mean well, maybe some do really mean well and they believe that they are truly helping people. And I think that's where the deception comes in because they don't understand the law, the lasting impact. Like we know that God has forgiven you. We know that God is forgiving women as soon as they do have an abortion and that sense of guilt takes in. And so just really being in tune with you know, I'll, I'll say it's your intuition, but we know it's God. I mean, it's really yeah. just pausing, like really trying to give yourself just a little bit of breathing room to practice yeah. what's going on instead of going into this like mad chaos, trying to yeah. band-aid the solution that's going to ultimately cause you more harm down the road. And I think that's where you and I come in and just yeah. wanting to just hug these people, tell them that they're not alone, you know, whether that's in person, find, helping them find the groups, or it is through a virtual meeting or being on the phone call. But I think there's so much power in just being in community with other people, listening to other people that have gone before us, hearing stories. Cause I know your, your story has been a huge testimony to me, like as I'm going through a divorce, you know, I mean, like you've yeah. gone through things. And so I have you to, to look to and, and to glean wisdom from. So I don't know where I'm going with all that. I'm kind of starting to ramble, but well, the, the bottom line right. is, you know, there, there is hope and there is healing, yeah. but there is a plan and, um, and you are not alone. Yes. You yeah. know, you're not alone and there are people here to help you. And again, you know, that love you, but I've never met you. You know, yes. I say this in my opening of the podcast. I've been praying for you and I've never even met you. I mean, right. you're praying for women all the time that you've never even met yet. Right. And so yes. we know that these women are out there and we are praying yes. for them. And we just hope that this message makes it to their ears and yes. that they reach out and yeah, yes. give hope because yes. there's, it's such a dark world right now. Yes. Yeah. And you know, a joy, there is joy in this time. Yes. Even though, you know, it's quick decision, you think you have, you know, you have to make this quick decision, you can stop and you can take a breath mm-hmm. and, and you can really think about this and seek wise counsel, yes, um, yes. you know, and realize that um, there are opportunities for you along your entire life. Mm-hmm. And so this doesn't stop those opportunities. It doesn't stop a career. There are many women that are, you know, Ashley, you're a great example that you were in college 
And, you know, you continued in college. Um, you know, you kept that baby girl who's now 16. Right. You know, we were just talking about yeah. her. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. She's 16. It I, yeah, it's really hard 16. to believe. And it's just, you know, you are the example of what can happen and that you can, you know, you can have it all. You know, and and it and what does that look like for everyone? It's different for everyone, you know, but you know, you are in a place of, you know, you have a successful career, you are successful in the things that you do, and you know, you've had other children since then. And so um, you know, it's doable. Yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, it's not hard or it's not not hard. <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah. You know, really the the only way that I I know that I had Anna whenever I was in college is because I had read a book and I tell this to a lot of people, Ophelia Speaks when I was like a teenager and I read stories of the harmful really the effects of abortion and this the pain and the suffering that these women went through. But like you and I talk about this myself. I mean, I was kind of in one I, w- I had one foot in trying to make myself look good, but then I was doing the drinking, the sleeping, you know, I was doing all the things that I, I wasn't proud of. And I knew if I was having sex, there was a real chance that I could have a child and mix alcohol and sex. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's how I have Anna. I mean, it was, yeah. but I, I, that book reading those stories, it was the only thing that was in my head is I'm like, I mean, I will figure this out. Thankfully, I had supportive family. I had a supportive yeah. family. But knowing the, for me, just knowing that I didn't want to experience that hurt and pain. But that's, if I didn't have that, I probably, who knows what I would have done, you know? I mean, we don't know. Yeah. Well, but- and, you know, and I think going into, you know, making those choices, you know, nothing's easy. No. You know, everything is you know, can bring its challenges, but I just really want to reiterate to those that if you are pregnant and you find yourself pregnant, that, um, I do not, I just want to tell you abortion is not the route to go. Mm-hmm. It will just, it's just, it's I, and I, I, would say, I think you and I are on the same page. I mean, we don't yeah. think, that, I mean, even if somebody finds out that their baby is going to be disabled, I mean, I have a disabled brother. And so whenever I hear a baby's being aborted because they are going to have Down syndrome or something else, I mean, I just think it's absolutely horrific because I know from firsthand the effect that my brother has had on so many other lives. Right. You know, I mean, and so many other people, like we aren't, I, we aren't God. And so when I hear people yeah. talk about that or you hear people on the, you see news stories that they're going to terminate their baby's life. And we don't even know. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, yeah, we don't know that situation, but I, you know, my thing is, is if you just find yourself in an unplanned pregnancy, um, I just, abortion is not the answer. Yeah. It's just yeah. not. So again, you know, we're just here to help you and um, encourage you. And, and those that have experienced abortion, there is no, um, judgment on you whatsoever. Um, we're just here to help bring you through that process and help you bring some healing into your life um, to be able to move forward I love to that. all that God has. Yes. Yeah. That is wonderful. Well, this was so fun. I, again, I want people to be sure to follow us along on TikTok, follow the Unplanned Mom School. More to come from Dr. Susan Harmio. Uh I just can't wait. So I know we're going to have you come back. We'll have longer version, you know, longer um, podcast episode because there's so much to dive in with your story and just learn from you and glean 
just wisdom and inspiration from you. So I hope you'll come back soon. (laughs) All right, my sweet mamas, if you are tuning in and have a friend's name that just keeps popping up in your mind right now, then go ahead, grab the link, copy and paste it and shoot them a quick text and just tell them that you were thinking of them. After all, we're all here to help each other. And if this episode resonated with you, there's a pretty good chance it's something and it will resonate with them as well. This show is for you. So do me a salad, go ahead, share it. So you can share it with that one person that comes to your mind and we can spread the love to our sisters. And if you really, really loved it, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review. All right, my sweet friends, thanks so much for tuning in. I will catch you next week. If you need any more inspiration between now and then, come on over and check us out on TikTok. See you soon.